Kelly, man, go ahead and be seated. Some of you were singing really well. Did, was that Don that said thank you? Amen. I'm glad, glad you're here today. It's a good, good, pretty good crowd. I mean, we got some folks probably skipping church with their dads. We'll give them an excused absence, won't we? Amen. I'm glad that you're here. I want to invite you this morning to take your Bible and turn back with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, today, again, we're going to take a, another bite or a, a lesson in the life of Abraham. This time, our lesson's going to be when he's a little bit later in life, okay? He, uh, life's beginning to wind down some. He's faced with a major faith crisis in his life. And uh, gang, it comes with the territory, huh? Part of living the faith life is... Um, facing crises from time to time, working through some of the challenges from time to time, and uh, getting out on the other side and realizing that God is always faithful. God always strengthens you for the journey, and God uh, glorifies himself in the trial. I have to tell you, I, I was thinking this morning, um, probably 12, 15 years ago, um, my wife and I took our son, our only son, our first begotten son. We'll read about that this morning. We took him to the airport for him to follow God's call to the mission field. Um, I'll never forget, it was before our daughter and love Amy came into our lives, before uh, they got married and had two grandkids, and he stole them and took them to Macedonia with him, you know. I'll never forget. It was just like it was yesterday. We, um, we were sitting there in that terminal. Back then, you could go to the, where the gate was, and we were um, watching our son. Of course, we were, you know, having a difficult time, as any parent would. My... Uh, my son was, he could care less, man. He was, you know, he's flying into the world, you know. As far as he was concerned, it was all uh, perfect. I'll never forget, uh, Jeff hugged us goodbye, turned around and started uh, walking to that little gate thing, that little tarmac, whatever it's called. I remember turning around to Paula, and I said, God has just called us to give up our son. And um, I have to tell you, it's been these 12, 15 years now that that, but it's as fresh today as it was that moment when he walked away. And I got to tell you, gang, that was a faith crisis in my life. Abraham, we're going to study about today in our lesson, Abraham had a, a faith challenge. We all have them. You got them. We got them. We all got them. And the poem is Adam had them, you know. We just have them. It just comes with the territory. This week at Camp Jam, I was sitting, resting a little bit. Of course, I didn't do anything except walk around. They did all the work. But some girls, young girls came up, and they uh, began to ask me some questions. One of their leaders was asking questions. And one of the questions they asked was this, why do bad things happen to good people. And I gave a real theological answer. 
I don't know, you know. I, uh, I said, I, kids, I don't, I don't know. I said, here's what I do know. I know that God is the prime mover behind everything. Now, either God directs it or God permits it or depending on your theology, God directs it. So I think God directs everything for His glory, okay? And I know that kids on the other end of it, He'll be glorified and you're going to be strengthened. However, in the process of that, there's some pain. There's pain involved. Well, in our lesson today with Abraham, I think we're going to see that there's some incredible pain involved. It was a test. I'm going to talk about that. There was a test that God brought into his life, a test that sometimes we all face. Last week, we began to look at Abraham. We labeled him as many have the father of the faithful. We saw some great things about this guy's faith. We said this, that faith listens beyond the normal. He heard God's call, and he obeyed. We have to hear God's call when God calls, and we have to obey. Faith lives beyond the normal. He lived in a strange land, an alien in the land. Never got it. He lived as a promise of it, and he followed God. We said faith looks beyond the normal. He lived in a tent kept his eyes focused on a city that was yet to be. And so our summary last week, I, I think this is what I wanted to summarize, was that faith is beyond normal. Faith is supernatural. It's what God gives you, strengthens you, and when you get through, you look back and say, you know, it was all okay because it was all by God. And I want you to know I still miss my boy, okay? Uh, not nearly as bad as my grandkids, you know. Kids are fine, but grandkids, I'm telling you, there ain't something about them, you know. I miss all that. I miss the daily input. I miss the daily interaction. But I want you to know God doesn't make mistakes. And I don't know where you are today. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what trial is happening. I can tell you a trial is happening. It's the way it is. It comes with the territory. But God is faithful, and that's what I hope to, to bring out to you today. Our text is going to be Hebrews 11. We're going to read beginning verse 17. Would you stand with me in honor of God's Word? Hebrews 11, beginning verse 17. The Bible says, by faith, I like, it's actually dia. Through faith, Abraham, and you might circle, when he was tested. We're going to talk about that word tested. When he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, in Isaac, your descendants shall be called. He considered, and I'm going to come back. That's a big word here. Verse 19, he considered. You ought to circle that if you're a Bible scribbler. He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, 
from which he also received him back as a type. That word type is, is a, literally the word parable. We're not going to talk about it. It's kind of not the main emphasis. But you, when you think of type, I, I want you to think of a parable because that's what it is. Okay, let's pray. Father, I, um, I love you. <laughs> Even though my boy had to go, God, I love you. And I praise you today. I praise you that, God, you design tests of faith to come into our lives because you love us. And you love us so much, you're not willing to let us just meander through life, that you're trying to make us into a trophy that represents Christ in this world. And we can't do it without the tests. As we look at Abraham's, may it kind of help us a little bit to get our head around what he had to go through. But then, Lord, if we leave it there, we haven't learned anything. Help us to not just get our head around what he went through, but maybe, God, get our head around what we're going through. That's transformation. And that's what we seek. That's what we need. Today, God, this group has been assembled. It's not accident that each particular person is here. These are the people that, God, you ordained to be here today to have this text opened up. So help us to get it, I pray. Help me to deliver it, I pray. For the glory of God alone, in His name I pray. Amen. All right, thanks. Be seated. I mentioned to you that that word type is a parable. Uh, we could have a sermon on that. Uh, we have in the past, I think. Others have. But it's not the real heart of the passage. What I want you to know, this passage is about Abraham. It's about the test of Abraham's life. So this is a, an instructional passage about what Abraham was going through and how he went through that. I, I tell you what I want to do first. I, I'm going to talk about the test. I'm going to give you three things about the test, okay? But I want to concentrate for a moment on the word test itself. And I want you to notice he begins with the word when. Not if, but when. And so the first thing we can gather from that as believers of Christ, we all have those when moments in our life. If you were to read about this story in the book of Genesis, it would be in Genesis chapter 22. And when you read about the life of Abraham, you find that five times God appeared to Abraham. Every appearance required some kind of demonstration where his faith was tested. He had to decide, is God the one leading this? Is it me in trouble? Or what is going on? He, he, he had to decide if he was going to look in, whether he was going to look out, or whether he was going to look up. And I want you to know something. If you try to make decisions on your test based upon circumstances, you in for a heap of trouble, folks. If you try to make your analysis from within you got a problem because the heart is fickle. The emotions are, are fickle. 
And so what Abraham had to decide, that's why all these, that's why I think he's later in life, that's why I think there were five of them. He had to get to the point where he was willing not to look out at circumstance or look in at a heart that goes up and down and all around. He had to get to the place where he would look up and he realized that there was someone behind it all. Someone stronger. Someone greater. Someone in control. I I think I said to you a couple weeks ago, maybe even last week, I forget what I say from week to week, I I think I said to you that our churches today have failed miserably in the test of the sovereignty of God. I think we're so caught up in I and me and my comforts, we forget that God is sovereign and that God is in total control. I think I said to you, we don't fear Him as we should. We don't revere Him as we should. This test, was the hardest test this man would ever experience. It was the hardest command from God because it required his most prized possession, his son. Now, that word test that is used here is the same word that we're studying in James in our Sunday school classes. Test, trial, today was temptation, all the same word The translation, or perhaps better, the definition of it, is based upon the writer's intention under the leadership of the Lord. Context determines the translation. Here the word test is used. It's a right word. It's actually from a word meaning to pierce the heart. We might say this was a test designed by God to dig deep into the heart of Abraham. It was a heart test because he was called to sacrifice his son. Gang, those tests are designed by God to ask us who is first. Now let me mention three things about the test, the kind of test, okay? And let me be quick to add I don't know how you would define your test. It may not be the three things I'm going to give you. I want you to follow with me for a moment. It may not be the three things that I'm going to give you today. You may be going through something else. When I get through, you may say, you know, Tom, that didn't even apply to me. This is the test I'm going through. Or you may say, that's, the te- that's not even applicable to me. And I understand that. What I'm going to give you today is three tests that Abraham went through. Three tests that we can lift out of Scripture that Abraham went through. Yours may be a little different. I can tell you that it's a when, not an if. I can tell you it's designed by God so that it will strengthen you in your life. Okay, But let's look, at, let's look at Abraham's test. Look at verse 17. The first test, I think, at least what I saw, was the test of devotion. We may want to call it the test of priority or perhaps a test of who is really first in your life. Think about Abraham. How would you like to live all of your life longing for a child? Now, this is a guy thing because a girl would rather have a girl mostly. If they're going to have one, most of you women, let's say it outright, you'd rather have a girl to go shopping with. I understand. This is a guy thing, okay? 
So here's a guy who longed for a child all of his life, and later in his life, actually when it was beyond the childbearing years, a miracle occurs, and he has a son. And then all of a sudden, God comes in the midst of his joy. Isaac means what? Laughter. Hey, you'd laugh too if he was 90 years old and had a boy, huh? So in the midst of great joy and excitement, I got the boy. God says, I want the boy. Give me the boy. That's what Abraham had to deal with. Now, gang, a lot of times us preachers harp on idols. You'll hear me and you'll hear Don and You'll hear other preachers harp on the idol of money, the idol of possessions, the idol of popularity. I I said to our first service, the reason we do is because we struggle in those areas just like you do. I mean, when I was a kid growing up, the pastors had like 10-foot pulpits and 20-pound Bibles. I always felt like the reason they did is because they wanted to hide behind that so no one would really know who they really were, you know. Well, the fact is, we harp on those issues and we preach on those issues because we struggle along the same things. I struggle with money, the lack thereof, huh? I struggle with possessions, man. I think everybody needs a new bow every year or two, you know, and new gun and whatever it may be. I struggle. I I struggle with popularity, man. When I walk out here on Sunday, I want someone to kiss me and say, you know, you're an okay kind of guy, right? So we preach on that a lot every once in a while, though we may squirm a little bit and say an idol is not just anything, it's anyone you place ahead of God as well. And I want to tell you, for a parent, that's hard stuff. Because it's if you love anything, you love your kids, you see. And so Abraham was tested in the area that was the hardest his boy. The book of Colossians says that in all things, God is to have first place. And if I were to preach on that today, everybody in this room would say, Amen, Brother Tom, Amen, go for it, preach it, brother. But then if I were to say, but that also includes your children. Or that also includes your grandchildren. It would be a lot harder, wouldn't it? But let me say, tell you something that's so cool about Abraham. The way the writer writes this, the grammar behind it, is that when God called, Abraham did not hesitate. Abraham obeyed immediately. He began to put it in in motion. Abraham made a lot of mistakes in his life. They're recorded for us, gang. But he passed this test, the test of priority, the test of devotion. And because of that, he became the father of the faithful. God, think about it. God called him to give back everything to him unconditionally. All oh, the depth of this man's faith. And he did it. Isn't that incredible? He passed the willingness test. And so I think I'll ask you a question here. If you were called upon to give up your most prized possession, your child, 
maybe your only child, maybe your only begotten child, how would you do? How would you do? He passed the willingness test. Test number two, verse 18. This is tough because I had real trouble getting my head around it. The test of discernment. It was he to whom it was said in Isaac, your descendants shall be called. Listen, this call of God, this, this test of God was bizarre. God had told him that he was going to be a great nation. God told him that his seed was going to be a blessing and his descendants would be like sands of the sea and stars of the sky. And now his only heir was going to be killed as a sacrifice. 18 says, in Isaac, your descendants shall be called. Incredible, isn't it? Bizarre, isn't it? I mentioned to you that word in verse 19. Did you circle the word concerned? It's critical. The word means to reason out. It means to calculate. We get the English word logic from it. So it's a word which means to think through. Abraham had to think about this command. Now maybe he thought it was illogical. Perhaps he was disillusioned. And yet one of the great tests of a follower of Christ is this. Am I willing to follow God? Is God worthy of my following? Is His power sufficient even when I can't quite get it all together and get my head around it all? You've got to reason that out. You've got to logically think through that. Because sometimes you don't have... I didn't have all the answers to those girls. I remember when... When the Lord called us into the ministry, and I guess I was 35, our church knows that, and they think I'm just now 40, uh, I remember all that was happening. And, um, man, I, I didn't know what all that meant. I didn't know that God was calling me to pastor. I didn't know that God was calling me a preacher. The only thing I knew, he didn't call me to be a, a music guy, right? And so people began to ask questions. Well, um, what does that mean? I, you know, I, I just thought through this thing, and I just believe he's called. And he, they would say, well, where are you going to live? And I would say, well, you know, I don't know. What kind of house? I don't know, you know. Well, how, my dad, who's a man of faith, my dad said, Tom, how are you going to feed my grandchildren? He didn't say, how are you going to feed yourself? But he said, Grand, can you see the emphasis? As I get older, you know, you see the emphasis, don't you? And I said, Daddy, I, I, I don't know. But I said, God has called me. We've prayed about this. We've thought through this process. We considered and we believe we know this is God's will. That's what was, that's bizarre. But this was bizarre. This is what's going on in Abraham's life. The fact is, guys, you've got to reason this stuff out. You have to decide who is calling, and you have to decide if he who is calling is worthy of the calling, worthy of your obedience to him. Now listen to me. Faith is not some flippant feeling based upon emotions or desires or passions. That's what we're having in our churches. That's why all this me feel good junk that we see going around today. That faith is not that. Faith 
is coming to the place in your life where you understand who God is. Is He worthy? Is He worth following? That's faith, you see. And Abraham knew it and accepted it and believed it, even though it meant the death of his son, not just the death of his son, the death of of his son by his own hands. But God was worthy. He tried to figure out God's intention, and he believed God was worthy, and so he was willing. And gang, that's faith living. You don't do it by passion. You don't do it by emotion. You don't do it by feeling. You do it by conviction. And he did it. And God blessed him. One last test, verse 19. The test of dependence. You see, if you look at verse 19, the phrase that after he considered it, in other words, he thought it out, notice it says, He came to this, I'm reading into it a little bit. He came to this conclusion that God is able. Now, let me tell you what I think he did. He came to realize that God had set a covenant. Abraham, I'm calling you to go out. In your seed, the world will be blessed. You live on the promise. That was a covenant that God had made with him, and he knew that God never breaks his covenant. He knew, know, knew that what God ordains always comes to pass. As strange and as bizarre as it may be, he knew that God was trustworthy. He said, I think, something along these lines. I can believe in him. In fact, I believe in him so strongly that in this covenant, God could bring my son back from the dead if that's what it takes for the covenant not to be broken. I'm going to read to you what one commentator wrote. I, I, I just love this. He, and I wish I could write like this. When God initially called Abraham out from his homeland, God asked him to give up his past. When he called Abraham to go and sacrifice his son, God asked him to give up his future. And he did, knowing that God could raise his boy up if he needed to, from the dead. He knew it was God's nature and God's character to always be truthful. In fact, in Genesis 22, during the account, that God showed himself in a fresh way and gave himself another name, Jehovah Jireh. How many of you know what that word means? Who, who, Leanne, stand up. Oh, is it up there? Oh. I thought I was going to really pull something out of the hat. That's the only reason you knew it. Now you know it. You know it. Steve, did you know it before that thing went up? Okay. I, I was fixing to have some fun here, you know. God has a way of just breaking you right down, doesn't he? Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Let me tell you what I think. I may be wrong. Isaac was never going to be sacrificed at all. It wasn't about Isaac. He's a type. He's a parable here. I understand that. You go to town on that. But I don't believe he was ever going to be sacrificed. At all. This wasn't about Isaac. This was about Abraham. It was about Abraham believing that God could. The willingness of Abraham believing in the greatness of God. That God could be trusted. 
and he passed it. He determined that God could be depended upon. And I want to ask you, dear, my dear people that I love, in the trial perhaps that you're going through, in the test that maybe God is running you through, can you depend upon, have you came to the place that you can depend upon God? You see, death can't stop God's purpose, can it? Death can't stop God's promise, can it? God does what He says. He's consistent in what He does. Therefore, we should depend. That's one of the things that we can gather from the test. We can depend upon God just like Abraham did, okay? Let me tell you something I think. I don't think I know. The test, the tests, let me say plural, the tests that God sends to you will show the foundation of your theology. Remember a few weeks ago I said, I kind of was on a tangent I think, um, that we're in a, uh, we have a, a theological problem today. Our theology suspect. Well, the tests that come helps us determine, okay, what our real theology is. Who do you really believe? What do you really believe? Perhaps that's why you're in the middle of a test. That God's trying to show you who He is and whether you can depend on Him. Now, I want to close with a statement. We're going to put it up on the board for you, screen for you. I'm going to read it. It's written by A.W. Tozer. It's an incredible statement. A real Christian is an odd number anyway. He feels supreme love for one whom he has never seen. He talks familiarly every day to someone he cannot see, expects to go to heaven on the virtue of another, empties himself in order to be full, admits he is wrong so that he can be declared right, goes down in order to get up, is strongest when he's weakest, richest when he's poorest, happiest when he feels worst. He dies so that he can live, forsakes in order to have, gives away so he can keep, and then he summarizes it, sees the invisible, hears the inaudible, and knows that which passes knowledge. Can I ask you today, how's the test coming? You're in one, or you're about to be. You're coming out of one so you can go into another one. How's it coming, gang? If God is behind it, And even though it may be painful right now, it's going to make you stronger and for His glory. How are you holding up in the test? We can learn from Abraham that it is a test of devotion. Who's on first? Of discernment. Thinking it out. Dependence. You see, at the end of the day, 
The only thing you really have is God. I've been married almost 42 years. Paul and I were talking about the other day. She's been chasing me for 42 years. But we were talking the other day. And one of the things that we realized, we learned it early on, and after these 42 years of marriage and five years of dating, we've come to the conclusion that I really can't meet her needs. And she really can't meet my needs. That's why there was a cross. That's why we have Christ. Because he meets our needs. And so when I'm not searching for her to meet my needs or her searching for me to meet her needs, because I got Christ, I got it all, all of a sudden she becomes a gift for me to enjoy. Didn't we learn today in our study of James every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from above, from the Father of lights, who never shifts or varies? You see, maybe we ought to learn in this test that God is all I have. God is all I need. God is all I want. And everything else becomes a gift to enjoy. Huh? How's the test coming, church? Father, I love you. I thank you for the word of God that burns my heart. It won't let me go the way I just want to go. Makes me on my knees look at you and realize everything, everyone, 